You're listening to the MM Maniacs with Nick David and Matt Kona. Hi, Stan Lamb with American Top Team. You're listening to MM Maniacs. Here we are, MM Maniacs Podcast. Nick David and Matt Kona broadcasting live from inside the mobile recording unit. <laughs> we are in between things. We just had a little meeting and some nice ramen uh, at this ramen place in Harvard Square and. Matt Cohn is about to go do a set at the comedy studio, and then we're going to head over to the Rockwell Theater for the roast battle. So there's lots of lots of comedy-related stuff going on tonight. Comedy and conflict-related, because right. Nick, you're going to be a judge, as well I'm as so excited. professional fighter Tyler King. I'm so excited and honored that you asked me to do it. I'm, I'm, it's going to make it that much more fun for me. Yeah. You know, because I because a reason to stay up late. Yeah, well, I I mean, when you like when you go to those shows, you're judging people quietly to yourself. <laughs> you don't really get to express your judgment of the people. But now I'll have a I'll have a captive audience that gets to listen to my judgment. Yeah. Ima- so. Imagine if they did that with fighting. Can you imagine? <laughs> Everyone in the audience just kind of stood up and was like, uh, especially after the most recent event. I, I think that if the judges had to read the scorecards after the Derek Brunson Anderson Silver fight, explain themselves. Derek Brunson would have assaulted three judges. Yeah. That is it. Right. One judge gave it all three rounds to Silva, which is I know uh, that was pretty bizarre, crazy, very bizarre. Razzled. I mean, he did fight tentatively. He did fight not to lose, which Dana White always says, "Don't leave it to the judges." But every single fight, with the exception, nine out of the ten fights, the exception of Jacare and Tim Boach, went to a decision. So yeah. crazy night. I was there in Brooklyn. Um, Kind of not really reporting from the scene. I tried to get Khabib to do, to do a promo, and instead he kind of just looked at me like I was an asshole. Well, I, well got, I took a selfie video. Yeah, he know. has video of that, and we're we're gonna put it up on our YouTube page. So if you want to see yeah, video, I'll put it on Facebook of a, a very uncomfortable moment with Khabib Nurmagomedov and yeah. Matt Kona, please go check out our YouTube page. And our Facebook page as well, because it will be posted up there. Yes. The the future bullshit interim light heavyweight, or excuse me, lightweight contender, Khabib Nurmagomedov. 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 I always fuck it up. Nurmagomedov. And I got his autograph, too. It's like four letters. There's like <laughs> 28 letters missing from that signature. He probably got tired of, oh, like, yeah. fuck all these other letters. I don't even know why they're there. Yeah, you know what? I think that, that that's kind of why I didn't push him to do the promo, because I, they technically cut the line off right before me, because we were waiting at a cell phone store. I won't say the name of it, but you probably can guess, since they are the only endorser of the UFC that works in cell phone companies. But uh, the person in front of me, who was supposed to be the last guy, also had a red hoodie, which was what I was wearing. And so they're like, cut it off after the guy with the red hoodie. I was like, ah, it's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy. They're like, that's more of a jacket. I'm like, just get a fucking photo, man. Nice. But I don't know. I thought, I mean, I've, I've been to, since legal, since professional MMA has been legalized in the state of New York, I've been to the three events that they've produced so far. 
which has which was of course UFC 205, which is outstanding. UFC Albany or Albany as it's correctly pronounced. Uh, <laughs> it, I had fun. I had a good time at it. It wasn't like the greatest card, but uh, and then of course UFC 208, which was uh, somewhat panned because of the decisions, because of the bad scoring, and just the, it it was unusual in many ways. There's typically four fifty thousand dollar bonuses given out at the end of the night. Uh, not always fight of the night or performance of the night, but there was only one. There was one fight of the night, which was Dustin Poirier and Jim Miller, and then only one performance of the night, which was Jacare ah. for the submission. And I mean, I didn't know uh, who else was worthy of it. I thought maybe Jermaine Durandamy only because she became the first women's champion, but that wasn't happening, especially after the controversial nature of the late punches, which I've got my own thoughts about. Yeah, I have. that's the only fight on the card that I haven't seen. I've seen all the other fights on the card, and I just... It's hard for me when I when I know a result of something and to then people and it, right yeah. to go and watch it after people are like meh about the fight and I'm like ah what am I gonna spend a half an hour of my life watching meh yeah so you know but I, I I mean I'm gonna watch it eventually I just haven't I haven't watched it today but today I did watch the uh, the Jim Miller Dustin Poirier fight and that was outstanding great fight that and, was a and, really uh, good fight it was. Jim Miller is super underrated. First of all, his striking is... He kicked the shit out of Poirier's legs. Yeah, I thought that was going to be the end of him in the third round. I thought that I thought that leg was just going to... He wasn't going to be able to stand up any longer. But, and he couldn't. That's why yeah. he had to go... Uh, yeah, he was able to initiate that clinch and... Yeah, it, uh, he, he got the clinch. He, got, he was able to use his wrestling on the ground and just held him there. Uh, which he, it, it was literally, you talk about surviving a fight, that's what, it, that's what it was, because I'm not confident if he got up, he could stand anymore. They had to help him back to his stool, he fell off the stool at, yeah. the, at the end of the fight. Yeah, he was, they had to help him to the, when they did the announcement, they had to help him out there. Joe Rogan had to hold him up yeah. when he was doing the interview. Oh yeah, I thought that he potentially, and Miller was limping too, so that's how you know he was kicking real hard, and, Poirier, I, I thought he might have... I think the key was there were low leg kicks. So sort of where it hinged at the bottom of the shin and the top of the foot, like the front heel area, I guess you could say. And yeah, there was... It was... Uh, <laughs> it didn't look fun. didn't look fun to go through that. But it, yeah, it was a hell of a scrap. And uh, good counter punches by both guys. And, and there... Poirier... He likes to box. Doesn't get a lot of credit for his submission game. And Jim Miller, you know, he runs a BJJ academy in a gym with his, with his brother. And but those guys were just content to strike. Apart from the third round, where uh, they, they did go to the mat and and they were able to wrestle a little bit. But yeah, highly recommend it. if you did, if you missed the fight. If you're like many people and you didn't buy the pay per view, you could probably find it under nefarious means to. Right. To listen to to check it out. There's plenty, it. plenty of plenty of websites out there to find it on. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I cannot I, I cannot expouse for certain. We do not endorse. Yeah, we yeah. do not endorse. Uh, but uh, and I cannot expouse for certain. But I would venture to say that there's probably some way to watch it if you so desire. 
tell me, uh, so tell me about the rest of the experiences there. Did you see any other fighters? Did you meet anybody else? You know, we, uh, did you have any other memorable experiences while you were there? How well, we, well, we, uh, it, it, we sort of hit the ground running. We got there the day before. Um, we missed the, Khabib did a Q&A at a nightclub in Brooklyn. It was only an hour long thing, but because of snowfall, we, we didn't get there. Uh, I knew we wouldn't make it in time, so, and that they were shuttling him off to said cell phone store, so we just went to the, that place and, and met him, so, I didn't meet many other fighters. We went to the, they had the weigh-ins at a really cool theater, King Theater in Brooklyn, and, uh, I have in the past just lingered outside and met a couple fighters that way. Uh, didn't really see anyone. I don't know if they were using a separate entrance, but, we, uh, I, I did see people wearing fight kits, but I didn't recognize them. I f- had a feeling that they were trainers or cornermen of some of the fighters, so I didn't want to say, "Hey, will you do a promo?" I don't. Know if you're a fighter, <laughs> can you tell me? Tell me what the hell is your name? Do you hold mitts or what do you? Do you, do you water or something? Um, so I didn't didn't meet anybody aside from Khabib, but um, it it was a pretty cool experience. The weigh-ins were great. Um, I mean. As great as a weigh-in could be. Yeah. Uh, of, of course, unfortunately, for the fifth fight in a row, and then they haven't all been his fault, but Uncle Creepy Ian McCall had to pull out due to a gastrointestinal issue. He did weigh in, and his short-notice replacement was was getting real into it at the at the um, stare-down portion of the weigh-ins. And I was excited to see that fight. I'm, I'm a fan of Ian McCall. He's a guy who arguably beat the best pound-for-pound fighter in the game, Demetrius Johnson. Hmm. Uh, hasn't fought since January of 2015. So Jesus. it feels like forever. And, yeah, last minute, he had to be taken to the hospital. was deemed unfit to fight. And the day before, um, Myson Tybora had a... His late notice heavyweight opponent uh, had to pull out because of issues with a weight cut, uh, which is uh, unusual for the heavyweight ranks unless you're a big dude. But this is a guy that walks around at 300 pounds, and he said that his body kind of just shut down. His name escapes me. Uh, I think it's James Willis. But he couldn't make the cut to 265. And Jesus. they, UFC will never sanction a super heavyweight fight, so that fight just got scrapped in it. Went forward with ten fights, but um, you know what? I after our not to cut you off, but oh, when yeah. we went to CES a, a few weeks back, uh, and they had that cruiserweight division, it really made me. I really hope that the UFC implements a cruiserweight division because I would love to see a two hundred five to two twenty five. That's a that's a that would be a great weight class, I think. Yeah. You know, I yeah, think because two hundred six is heavyweight, and then two sixty five, yeah, right, be heavyweight, it's a, right. It's a sixty pound difference. Yeah, it's a fifty nine pound difference. Yeah, and the, you know, sixty pounds because you give to two sixty six, and then you the could replenish pounds. for so you could conceivably right. go two eighty five against a two tenner. And exactly, we, and we saw that at CES actually, um, where it made a big, big difference where the bigger man won. Yeah. On the opposite side of the spectrum, sometimes the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Whereas, uh, I forget this guy's name, but there was a heavyweight, a huge discrep- uh, discrepancy in heavyweight uh, a couple weeks before at the UFC uh, Houston Super Bowl weekend fight where Anthony Hamilton was just a giant against the guy who 
he's a last minute replacement. He he actually like lie. I don't know how he did it, but he like lied about his weight to be a heavyweight. I don't know if he weighed in with fishing weights in his pockets or something, but he was only listed around two fifteen, and he looked like he looked like a like a middleweight against the heavyweight, uh. and he knocked him out. So it's like he just got him on the temple, and the harder they, you know, the harder they fall. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it, it could happen, but I, I agree with that. I, I like the cruiserweight. We, we were there for the first cruiserweight boat. No. Yeah. The first cruiserweight fight in, uh, uh, mixed martial arts history, maybe? At least in the CES ranks or yeah, the, in the regional. I, I, I hadn't heard of it. Yeah. I hadn't heard of it either. That's what I don't, when they announced it, I was like, cruiserweight. <laughs> yeah. But it was good, and I agree. It, 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 it opens more doors for, a smaller heavyweights and B bigger light heavyweights. Yeah, yeah. Who, who don't want to make that cut. Who don't want to like deplenish their body to the point where the diminishing returns affect their long term health. I think it's a. I think it's a perfectly. I think it's a. It's a perfect weight class. I think that's probably. If I had to guess, if you were to hold a gun to my head, it would make the most sense of the next weight class to yeah. go. You know, to the next male weight class. I'm sure that right. You know, they might implement another female weight class before the yeah. before they put. And hopefully, weight, it's not women's lightweight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we need a flyweight division in the in the women's rankings. I think uh, we were discussing that. Of course, 208 ended with Jermaine Durand, Jermaine Durand and me winning the first at the inaugural women's fly, uh, featherweight championship. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy about that. What was your? Okay, I didn't watch it, so I don't have a, an opinion. What was your take on the fight? Well, there were two instances where the referee, who uh, has been widely lampooned because of his inability, like it looked like he was watching the fight as a spectator that just happened to be inside the cage, because he. And I've I've read a lot about it afterwards, and they said a former referee has said that the bell, or in the UFC's case, the horn going off, isn't necessarily the signification of, or the signifying of, of, of the end of the round. It's that indicates when the referee should get in between them to break it up. They get a 10-second heads up when they clack the wood together, mm-hmm. and then that's when he... You always see John McCarthy or Herb Dean, uh, or many others point to the timekeeper to indicate that they heard them. And then it's up to them to get in the position to get in between the fighters to make sure there are no illegal hits afterwards. And in both instances, Holly and Jermaine were in the clinch. And as you, if you, if you, most people are aware, when the clinch gets broken up, there's always a fighter that tries to hit on the break. Hit on the break. Jermaine Aranami, at least in the first instance, was throwing a combination in the clinch. The referee, badly positioned, got was beginning to get in between them, and she threw a right hook that cracked Holly on the jaw, staggering her, knocking out her mouthpiece, and then they were broken up. Uh, the second instance, um, I feel like it, it didn't, it wasn't as impactful as the first blow was. Mm. And then that, at that point, the referee did warn her. He, he walked, uh, Durandamy over to her corner and kind of spoke to her about it. And what, and what rounds did these occur? I, I believe it was rounds three and four. Okay. Or it might have been two and three. 
or two and four actually. Okay. I haven't gone back and rewatched that fight, but uh, it was notable. And 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 people will say, well, there there should have been a point deduction. First side note, just fairness aside. Thank God there wasn't a point deduction because that fight would have ended in a draw since there was 48-47 on the scorecard. So if they took a point from her, it would have been 47-47, <laughs> which would have been a nightmare ending to an already <laughs> so-so card for a division. The so-soest decision oh you could God. have yeah. on, a, on the so-soest card. Yeah, imagine that. And, and you would have uh, an already th- only three-fighter division um, end... In a draw. So it's like, at that point, if UFC would probably wait until the results of Cyborg's test were announced before they decided to reconsider having a women's featherweight division at all at that point. Because if it was a draw and Cyborg was hit with a two-year suspension, what are you doing, bro? How can you continue with that? I don't, you know, it's a weird fucking main event for me. To me, for a pay-per-view... That is a bizarre main event. Someone who's won- never fought in the UFC against someone who's no, on a... No, Jermaine Dumi has fought in the UFC, just not she's not fought anyone in the top 10 at Bantamweight before. And then Holly Holm coming in on a two-fight losing streak. That, that, was, the other, yeah, yeah. that was my other point, was Holly yeah. Holm coming in on a two-fight losing streak against... Well, I mean, I guess they're both fighting in this division for the but first time. But she's sort of like fought in obscurity. Like, she was... The last fight that she had was an afternoon fight pass exclusive from Rotterdam. So, a lot of people outside of the Netherlands don't know who Jermaine Durandamy is. Well, I'm a pretty avid watcher of UFC, and I didn't know that she had ever fought before. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm, so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm willingly goes, admitting that. So, and that speaks to the marketing of the UFC. Like, you got to push stars. Right. And you're at the, you nailed it. Like, this is a head-scratcher of a main event. And, I, and I'm sure Anderson Silver got paid more than anybody on that card. Oh, yeah. He had to have. He got paid so, more than anyone who's UFC 200, maybe outside of Brock Lesnar. But uh, So, so how is he not the main, how is that not the main event? Right. Even though that's it's not... Just because of the title, which is, you know, it's silly because... I mean, maybe and, he didn't want to fight him, a five-round fight. Maybe that's why he was like, nah, put me... Maybe put me in the co-main so I can fight a three-round fight. True, and, and it was on short notice. Like, th- it was basically, and Derek Brunson said as much in his tweets after the show, or after the fight, where he was saying that he came in on three weeks' notice to help save the card because it did add name value, and it was it was an electric atmosphere. I was excited to see a superstar, a legend, the arguably the one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time, Anderson Silva fight. And I don't a, think anybody's arguing. <laughs> no, no, no. But a lot of people left after that fight. Like, they yeah. just, I don't know, like, that speaks volumes to what you were just attesting to in yeah. terms of Jermaine, Jahu versus Holly Holm, two-time loser. Really, who the, the fuck are you? Yeah, who the fuck is that girl? <laughs> it was, it was, essentially, Holly Holm has had one impressive fight in her UFC career, and that was just the the head kick heard round the world Ronda Rousey yeah. fight, and that was November of 2015. It was a long time ago. So that's insane. But to me that you remember is, all these dates. Well, the thing is, <laughs> oh, that stuck out. That was a yeah. But the thing is that, I, and here's what I think: the reason that it was the main event. If you look back over the course of the last few months, everyone is booked or injured. They had. 
three title fights at UFC 205. Right. They, they like to have title fights headline a fight. And, and at the same time, they know for sure there are certain divisions that cannot sell pay-per-views. As much as hardcore fans and journalists speak so highly of Demetrius Johnson, he's, uh, to use a Dana White term that he once said about Nate Diaz, he doesn't move he's the needle. Not a needle mover, yeah. They have to put, like, the last, he's either fought in a co-main event or on free TV. And, and they even had an entire season of The Ultimate Fighter to market the best fighters from flyweight divisions and other promotions around the world. And they put it on for free and it still wasn't a, that big a hit. He right. fights exciting fights, but, and he's an amazing, uh, mixed martial artist, but he doesn't, something's not clicking, whether it's just cause he's a little dude and people can't take it mm. seriously, but it's interesting. I, I was thinking about the, that in terms of pay-per-views because as, as much as, we're fans of mixed martial artists. We know it's a business, and so you you look at things from the business side of things. And yeah, there there are some people that they won't sell pay per views. I mean, I think Joanna Yanjinchik is is a big star, but they've never had her headline at pay per view. She's always the co main, and I don't know if she could and the only way I think that she could headline a main event would be in Poland which would not be a pay-per-view because it would be at 5 in the morning or something right, like that right right mm. so the the politics and the money yeah, that goes a lot into in terms of what you have to deal with and that also could be why there's in the next event will ha feature another interim title. They're just giving out interim titles at the door <laughs> when you look at because two, listen, two oh nine. It's like a like a it's, like a uh, party favor. Yeah, <laughs> like a party. Yeah, hey, yeah, the first five hundred fans get a belt. Right. Actually, you know what? Check out gutcheckmag.com. I didn't write the story, but someone wrote. It's like an Onion style news site. I've written a couple articles for it. Very good articles. Thank both you. Of them. Thank you very much. But someone did that. They said it, interim titles being given out at the door, and it was very funny. Uh, but it's exactly right. And if we look ahead to the next pay-per-view, it's UFC 209, and it's hardcore fans will tune in because it's got a... First of all, I, I'm more interested in the co-main than the main. That seems to be the case for me for a lot of a lot of cards these days. Yeah. I mean, there certainly was the case for 208. <laughs> yeah, and, and the co-main, uh, if, you, if you don't know, it's it's for the interim lightweight belt between Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Oh, you said it right. I that nailed it. That is such an I exciting had, fight. I oh, can't, I'm excited. I can't... Five rounds. I that's, can't that's, think of a more exciting fight in the UFC right now. That's why I don't give a shit that it's an interim because it's it's basically... It's basically... They should just call it the number one contender to Conor McGregor belt because that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a more exciting fight than those two right now. That's a very exciting fight because they're both like fucking juggernauts. They're top of the game. I they're mean, both Khabib the, is right. unbeaten. He has uh, he's twenty four and zero. And this is a kind of a interesting fact. Uh, there's three ways to win a fight. Well, besides disqualification, there's three ways to win a fight, and Khabib is so well rounded. Of his twenty four victories, he has eight decisions, eight. Submissions in eight knockouts. 
<laughs> doesn't get more well running than that. That's, that's true. And Tony Ferguson is is a man on fire. It's it's going to be great. He the looked main, fucking killer in his last fight. Oh God yeah, damn Dos Anjos. He, yeah. he he made look like a, a guy. Looked like who, he didn't even know what he was doing. It was so it was so ridiculous. Yeah, like I was very impressed. But the main event, it's it's a it was a good fight at UFC 205, but it was a draw. It was Wonder Boy versus Tyron Woodley, mm. and the reason it was a co-main event of 205 is because it couldn't headline a. Uh, a pay-per-view on its own and now they're kind of forcing it to headline a pay-per-view on its own but they're banking on the hardcore fans to to push it with the co-main event slot too and then down the line you're gonna get 210 is anthony johnson daniel cormier for the light heavyweight at long last 211 is heavyweight championship. I'll be, I'll be amazed if someone doesn't get injured before then. Oh, I feel God. like this fight has been been penciled in like four times now. Yeah, and it's already happened once. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, but I feel like it's I feel like two or three other times it's been penciled in to happen and it didn't happen. Yeah, it was supposed to happen at, at UFC 206, uh, which ended up being an outstanding card. Not the most bought pay per view. But it was a pay-per-view that they, the UFC was so proud of that they aired for free two weeks later on Fox on Christmas Eve, which uh, is cool, but it sucks if you paid for it like I did, <laughs> and then everyone got it for free the next day. So, ultimately, that's the, the next slate of UFC fights as they buy their time waiting for... Because right now, the two biggest stars they have, or that they've had... At, at least last year and the year before, Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey are MIA. I mean, we know Conor McGregor's in uh, in Floyd, Maywe- Floyd Mayweather bullshit territory land, right. and Ronda Rousey is, by all accounts, gone for good, won't return. Well, that's one of the three things that I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about McGre- the McGregor nonsense with May- Mayweather. I wanted to talk about, um, after Philip Nover's fight, um, he, I'm connected with him on Facebook, mm. and he retired. He made it a Facebook announcement. He did. That he's retired. He lost. Yeah, he um, came out to No Sleep Till Brooklyn in Brooklyn. And he no fights out sleep of there. I did not know he retired. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't. He didn't announce it in the ring, uh, and it was so it was announced on Facebook. So I got to see that today. Um, and then the third thing I wanted to talk about is that there's the UFC used to provide. Oh, tape. Video. Yeah. They used to provide tape on your opponents, and they're no longer going to do that. Instead, they're forcing the fighters to purchase the their staff. own. They're yeah. forcing forcing the coaching staff to purchase their own fight pass. They're not even going to give them a code to go to Fight Pass to watch the old fights. See, that's ridiculous. And it's and it's and the the one thing the another thing that they were having an issue with is that when they provided the tapes for them, they could go slow motion through the tapes and watch things watch real intricate details you can't do slow motion on fight pass yeah so it's, it's like, annoying it's, it's, i mean you could have heard a laptop and you're pausing or something but it's real it pain seems in the like ass, such I've a sh- shit move by the ufc it's you know what though i blame the the new ownership that paid 4.5 billion dollars wmeimg an entertainment group who's been cutting costs left and right and it's uh, that's insane, though. That that is kind of an insane thing, because fighters should have a fucking free fight pass subscription, and to to make the trainers there, that's like a whole other can of worms. That I think that if a fighters union were in place, 
would hopefully amend it or fight, you know, yeah. figure things out. Well, I bet that's probably going to be one of the first things that this fighter group is going to tackle. Yeah. There's going to be, I mean, widespread torrenting and bootlegging of uh, fight footage and UFC fight pass password sharing because if they're banking on oh on sending people to fight pass to purchase subscriptions for the 500 fighters on the roster to boost sales a that's a desperation move b it's a dick move and c come on man like that's a horrible publicity if, the, if that's really what you're is. doing man it really is i mean it's it's like the it's like the you know you have like this mom and pop restaurant that's famous for their chicken parm sandwich and and they you know some big company comes in and buys it and they start and they start by changing the bread because it's cheaper and they change the sauce because it's cheaper and they change the cheese because it's cheaper and then nobody wants to eat the chicken parm sub anymore because it's this different thing it's not the same restaurant it's not the same restaurant it's not the same sandwich it's not the same it's not the reason that people went to this place in the first place you know yeah so it's hopefully uh, hopefully the UFC doesn't if you're a fighter or a trainer out there, just hit me up on Twitter, at Matt Kona. I'll send you my password for Fight Pass. <laughs> we'll do it together. Just let me sit in the corner and bring out the spit bucket. There All right. Let's, let's, let's pause, take a break. We'll hear a few promos. i got to go tell some jokes, and then we'll, maybe we'll come back for some more. All right. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, I'm Chuck Zito, and you're listening to MMA Maniacs Podcast. What's up? This is Dominic Cruz, and this is MMA Maniacs. I'm Joe Lozano. You're listening to MMAniacs Podcast. Cool. UFC Halifax. A lot more eventful than UFC 208. And for no money. Sometimes, you know, I find a, a lot more often than not that happens. <laughs> you'll get a, you'll get yeah. a, you'll get a pay-per-view card that's a stinker and then the next free show is like a total badass. Yeah, I mean, it happened with UFC 200, the biggest promoted pay-per-view in company history, and then the next day, a random Wednesday night in Sioux Falls, North Dakota, it was a very underrated card, which was extremely exciting, and yeah, you know, I guess that's the nature of the fight game. It can look good on paper, but it's got to play out inside the octagon. Yeah. So my highlights, of course, were Derek Lewis, Stopping in a furious comeback, two-round knockout of Travis Brown, in which Brown probably ate three or four punches. He did not have to eat. I almost thought that Yamasaki could have stopped the fight when they were on the feet, when he was battering him against the fence, because it's all about intelligently defending himself, and he looked like a deer in headlights. Yeah, there's definitely an argument to be made for uh, that being a late stoppage. I I don't know if it's uh, uh, as late as it being off the fence, but you definitely could have stopped him from taking a few more, few of those punches on the ground for sure. Oh, and he was winding up from the ground like crazy. He got, I mean, for all the talk about Lewis's cardio, he looked like he got a second win there, and then he just emptied out the gas tank on him. And slowly but surely, Derek Lewis, a guy who has been tanned for his, he may not be the most technically proficient guy out there, but the ultimate fighting championship, and he's won six straight fights, 
in a heavyweight division that is extremely rare. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, against some, 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 you know, a few good opponents, uh, uh, I'd like to see him, you know, get in that top five range and and see what, see what's really going on there. I, I, I think I think people that are smart, and I think Brown got caught. I think he might have overcommitted himself, but I think he started off playing a smart fight. He was staying on the outside. He was throwing a lot of kicks. He was trying to stay out of Lewis's range. Um, you know, kind of, kind of getting in and getting out. Um, and he was really having a lot of success with those kicks. You know, those body kicks were really doing damage to Lewis. And I think somebody in the future will definitely exploit that. Um, but I don't, you know, how long have we seen him fight for? <laughs> you know, his, yeah, I mean, most of the matches end, point. most of the matches end pretty quickly. So, I mean, there, there was only one decision win, and that was against Roy Nelson. And, right. You know, in a fight where Nelson just took him down at will. But Nelson, I mean, uh, Lewis is so big that you can't you can't keep him down. That's the thing. He was just getting up like nothing. And, and, and Nelson is uh, highly touted for his ground game. But it's almost like like an 80s horror movie where you think you kill Chase, Jason Forsey. <laughs> right. Just, <laughs> he just keeps coming back. <laughs> I mean, Lewis has been stopped in his career, but not not for some time. And he he actually did show some some uh, some progression. He showed some things that, that we haven't seen from him. Some of those spinning kicks. I mean, they weren't the prettiest thing in the world, but he, he shows he's got there. And when you're you got a big tree trunk of a leg coming at you, look out. Yeah, I mean, and that, those that that works in in two aspects too. Like, if he actually connects, then it's you know it's game over. Even if it's something as, I mean, it's not. They weren't pretty. <laughs> they weren't no. thrown well. But but what it what it what the other part of it is is that it it makes it makes you have to worry about that. So now all of a sudden, yeah. Travis Brown has to worry about these fucking spin kicks coming at his head. So yeah. it's you know it's twofold. If it, if 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 the weird thing works out and you connect, great. And if it doesn't, you just you you instill more uh, doubt and and uh, concern in your opponent. So yeah, absolutely. And, and Lewis said in a, in a very eventful post fight interview, amongst many things, that that he, the body kicks didn't hurt him. He just had to take a number two. And where's Ronda Rousey's fine asset? Uh, he, I mean, he mentioned he has fought a lot in, in the last few months, in the last year's time. So he wants to take a little bit of time off. He mentioned Mark Hunt as a possible opponent. Hunt will be facing Alistair Overeem at 209. I think that's an exciting fight, win or lose. Uh, Hunt is one space above him in the official rankings. So we'll see how that plays out in heavyweight. A lot of people have said that Francis Ngannou would be a good one. I think that the UFC might be a little hesitant to do prospect versus prospect, but yeah, well, uh, they're both they're both rising one. stars. They're both trying to they're both trying to build these guys up. So I think you're right in that that especially in a division that doesn't have that much young blood in it. Exactly. Um, uh, so I like I like that that possibility. See how UFC 209 plays out. Uh, how do you think that Johnny Hendricks looked in his middleweight debut against Hector Lombard? 
I think he looked way fresher and way more, you know, we used to see him at the weigh-ins and he looked like a fucking skeleton. He looked so yeah. awful at weigh-ins. He was one of the, the most dramatic looking people that most drastically changed facial features out of anybody. Uh, I mean, he, that guy cut a lot of weight and I think it really oh, and showed. It, and it made a difference. Even he was like ranting and raving like a crazy person. Challenging members of the media to weigh in uh, ahead of his last vote against Calvin Gastelum. So, yeah, I agree. He looks fresh, and, and that really helps out when you're. I mean, Hector Lombard is a short middleweight, so they kind of look even on, on that plane. But if you're a smaller guy, stature wise, and you're a highly skilled wrestler like Hendricks is, to have that bit of energy and have that bit of drive to do what you do best to, to win rounds will go a, a, a long way. And, and his, the knees, I think that's really what did it for me. That's what really... Yeah, he me. threw a lot of knees that fight for sure. Yeah. Uh, so just, yeah, briefly going through the card, we saw kind of um, saw some good Canadian prospects in there. Uh, San Cecilia had almost no answers uh, for the undefeated guy, I don't have the computer in front of me. Gavin, Gavin Tucker. Yeah, Gavin Tucker looked, he looked like a featherweight version of Cody Garbrandt and dancing around and making a miss and making sense of Celia. He's, he's a tough guy. He, he can take the punishment, but it wasn't until the third round where his corner was telling him, hey, you got to be in desperation mode. you got to try to win this fight because uh, it was not going well at that point, but Tucker was able to style on him and, and, and he looks good in, in a featherweight division that um, you know there's a lot of young guys there's a lot of traffic at the top of the division well with the interim title between Holloway and Jose Aldo will be determined at 212 uh, I'd like to see Tucker move right up and possibly fight Yair Rodriguez I think that would be an extremely exciting fight for the fans. That well, that's a, boy, that's a big jump in competition. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I like Sam Cecilia, but I think, yeah, Rodriguez is, a, I think he's 10 steps ahead of Sam Cecilia. I think that's a, I mean, that's an exciting fight. But yeah. I think, I think Gavin well, Tucker's going to have his other, hands full. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to think of other heavyweights, but you know, you, you got a guy who's that exciting. You want to, you want to keep, keep things fresh and, um, but, you know, there's also uh, featherweights that have, I feel like haven't fought in a while. Um, what's his name? Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega would be a good matchup, too. But he's, he's well ahead. Of, I mean, I think Yair yeah, Rodriguez is a more exciting fighter. But he's up ahead in the rankings. But that's the thing with the rankings at featherweight. They kind of get a little murky as you get from 6 to 10. And, you know, Cup Swanson's out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't go by the UFC's rankings at all because their rankings have more to do with what their sellability than it does with their fight, with the fighters' ability. Yeah, so, you, so I, I follow, like I, I would much more closely follow the sure dog ratings over the yeah, UFC ratings because the UFC ratings they have a, they have a, they have a dog in the fight. They have a, there's a reason they, they tout someone at a higher level than they maybe are because they're trying to promote that yeah. person. They're trying to sell tickets. So the, I, I take uh, their the ra- I take their ratings with a with a grain of salt always. Right, and the media that makes it, if you look at it, nobody has heard of half these 
guys, I mean, if you're a fan of mixed martial arts, you're looking at Sure Dog, you're looking at MMA Fighting, MMA Junkie, Bloody Elbow, etc. And you got these guys from like the San Diego AM News, the Daily Chronicle, you know, all these. I think that's uh, <laughs> from the Superman comics, but yeah, you get the point. You can't go really much on the rankings, but it's just in terms of uh, who you'd like to see out there. Um, I thought that there was, I mean, I was actually, so the bonuses for the night, fight of the night was Lewis and Brown. Mm. And, uh, hey, you know what? It, it was quite a slugfest for, for two rounds, and sometimes they'll kind of lean that way when it comes to the heavyweights. I thought the fight of the night might have been um, the bantamweight fight, uh, the, <clears throat> the, de- the debut of Anand Zahabi. Uh, I thought he was very impressive, and he won a unanimous decision. It could have been a split, but... Uh, Wow, wow, what a slugfest on the, on the prelims and a good, good debut, uh, for him. The other two were Paul Felder and Tiago Santos for their knock, Tiago Santos for that Spain heel kick knockout against Jack Marchman. Yeah, that uh, was a, that was a fight pass prelim and I, uh, unfortunately I was at work and I wasn't able to watch it at work, but I was able to, uh, get the bosses to put the, the put it on FX one yeah. for the rest of the fights, and then I ha- I found this. So there so there are all these TVs in the room. There's like ten TVs in the room, but all the volumes off. But I found this this app on the phone called Tunity, and you can oh, yeah. you can scan the TV and it will play the audio of the channel that you're that you're watching. Uh-huh. So I just had my I just had a, one earbud in while I was working the whole day, and so I could hear everything that was going on in the fights. So I could watch as I as I could watch as I could, and but I could hear everything that was happening. So if something happened, I could look right up and see what was happening. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, Paul Felder had a very impressive knockout. He, he just kind of blew right through the guard with an elbow, shattered, shattered right in the nose. Yeah, that and, one. And I, it was punches. That one I did get to see. So, I'm, I mean, I was really impressed. I know it was a short-notice opponent, Gina Mazzani, stepping in from Liz Carmouche, but uh, Sarah McMahon just ragged all there to the ground and got her second arm triangle choke. Only the second time it's happened in women's bantamweight division, and it just happened that Sarah McMahon, it was her second time doing it, consecutive yeah. fights. So, I mean, I guess you can't... I was very impressed by it, but maybe the caliber of, the caliber of opponent was... Uh, brought to light in, in that, but I thought she looked really good. And the other women's fight, Random Marcos wins a split decision against number three ranked, uh, former, uh, former champion Carla Sparza. And, um, I, I actually had to watch that with the volume down. Um, I was at a family thing and my cousin was playing some tunes on the guitar, but, uh, I thought it was a really exciting fight. I thought, um, Marcos did a good job staying at range, not letting Esparza take her down. And when she did, she wasn't able to do much on the ground. And Marcos was able to turn it around on a couple of occasions into a crucifix position and really land some hammer fists. But uh, what did you think about it? Because I had some other friends who watched it who, who thought that Esparza won. I scored it from Marcos, but I might have been biased because I had a couple of dollars on it. Well, I mean, it's another one I was I, I was watching with a half an eyeball because I was trying to do my job at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
which is for everybody listening, I, I deal poker. Uh, um, it's just a job that I started a few months ago. I've been involved in the poker community for the last like 12, 15 years, somewhere in there. Um, it's a great job. Anyways, so uh, while I'm dealing poker, I'm, I'm, you know, I have to pay attention to what's happening at the table, and then as I, I can listen and hear what's happening. So, I, so I, it was one that I just kind of had a half an eyeball on and a half an ear on while I was working. Um, so, yeah. I, to get a real, like, clear answer out of me, it's not. <laughs> you're not well, gonna be able I, to I mean, do I it. thought that she, she showed a lot of. Uh, composure, and she kind of hunched over to try to stay low and fight off the takedown attempts, and and was able to land strikes and get in and out of range after a uh, big win for her because she struggled lately. And Esparza is a ranked opponent. Marcos isn't ranked. I think maybe she works her way into the top fifteen there. Um, so that was that was a good one. Uh, we got. Gearhard Mershart, who was in the Fight Pass opener against uh, Ryan Baines, the uh, Newfoundland man, who I saw in Albany, who, who came out firing, just closed the range, knocked him to the mat. But as Mershart said after, he's got 19 submissions from eight different ways. So he, he even said it to Brian Stan, do not go to the ground with me. You will lose. And he got, he locked up an armbar quick in just over a minute and a half. was able to take that victory. I thought that could have been a, there's a lot of bonus potential, especially coming off the last, the last event where only three bonuses were, were handed out. One for performance and one from Jacare and one for the fight of the night. Um, I thought there was a lot, <laughs> I thought maybe they would have given out five to make up for it, but, uh, apparently not. Um, anyway, I mean, he's got exciting, right? that guy. That that guy has has twenty six wins, nineteen of them by submission. Yeah, <laughs> and, and all and all different all different kinds of submission: armbar, anaconda choke, arm triangle, kimura, uh, arm triangle, guillotine, uh, knee bar, rear naked choke. Uh, Neck crank. I mean, they're just. He's got uh, quite an arsenal there. Make it, make that. And he's fresh as a daisy, so I don't know. Maybe they they get him the get him a fight, and and that that's a that's a good um, matchmaking tool. You know, you can do a lot of different uh, skills there, and so there's a lot of middleweight activity. He's on he's on a seven fight win streak. The last two in the UFC. Before yeah. Ryan James, he fought Joe uh, Gigliotti. Mm-hmm. And he was also an underdog in that one. So, uh, yeah, he just keeps pulling it out from the, the jaws of defeat. Because he, he looked rocked early in that round. I know you didn't see it, but it, it sort of, like, James took him, I mean, uh, James, James took him down and lights out soon after that. But, um, all right, well... I may have to rejoin my family next year. So let's, uh, let's look ahead to, I mean, we got a Bellator card on Friday. It's a little odd in terms of, it's one of those things that I really wish that Spike TV would 
kind of get under wraps in terms of a tape delay. It's going to be in Northern Ireland, but air on Friday night. I'm not sure if mm. that means it's going to air sometime live Thursday during the day. We won't get to see it, but you get Liam McGarry making his comeback, but he's, he's got a short notice opponent, uh, and you got James Gallagher, big Irish prospect, and, uh, yeah, he's Norman five and zero. James is five and zero, undefeated. Yeah, he's he's an exciting guy. They look for the the next Conor McGregor type of mold. And I, I, assume, I assume this woman is uh, is comes from Ireland as well because her name is is Sinead Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah, I think she actually may be related to Coach John Kavanaugh ah. at FPG Ireland as well. Yeah, yeah she's four and zero as well. Yeah. And Liam McGarry's opponent is Vladimir Flipovic, who is eight and two. And uh, of course, McGarry is uh, eleven and one, and his only loss was the last that decision to Phil Davis. Yeah. So I think it's. I mean, everything seems to be in McGarry's favor in terms of this. Um. You know who is? You know who is? You know whose opponent was supposed to be originally? You know what? Not off the top of my head. I want to say that the guy's last name was Woods or Woods. Um, I can't recall. I'm not. I'm not super well versed on that. Oh, Chris Fields. Here it is, Chris Fields. Chris Fields. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I had to pull out with an injury, which <laughs> two Bellator main events in a row. I mean, this one is a little bit less shocking than the last minute kidney stone pull out of Matt Mitrione. I tell you, I, I tell you, man, I, I, I have a theory. I have a theory and I, I think, I think Mitrione is a plant from the UFC. Cause I, I'll tell you what, that's what put affliction underneath is that their biggest pay-per-view was set to, set to go off and it was supposed to be Josh Barnett versus Fedor Milianko. That was their wow. biggest fight. That was when Fedor was at the top. And it was, yeah. it was supposed to be Fedor versus Josh Barnett. And it was a, it was huge. It was gigantic. And then Josh Barnett, I, I forget exactly what happened, but I think he got popped for steroids. Yeah, I believe you're correct. Yeah. And it, and it sent that, that card got canceled and that was the end of affliction. That ended, yeah. that ended affliction completely. So, I mean, I and, and, and I felt, I felt at the time, that the UFC put Barnett up to it, and you know that's not. I have no evidence. It's just a. It's just a conspiracy theory that I have, and I feel the same. I feel like I know I got a million of them, but I feel the same way about Mitrione. I feel like you know Mitrione went in there. They put him up against Fedor, and then the UFC gave him ten million dollars to. Oh shit! I got a kidney stone the day of the fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unquestionably, it would have been probably Bellator. If, if not Bellator's biggest ratings thing, the biggest ratings for a non-Kimbo Slice event. That's right. what, I, what I was predicting. And I'm not, I'm not sure how what they did because it was announced at 315 just so the California Athletic Commission could legally allow people to, to get a refund who bought tickets. But what a, I mean, I mean, I, I, I thought the main event was exciting. Uh, the tricky pit bull coming out and uh, uh, being victorious, and, and but you know it's 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 a 
it's a quite a drop off from the potato or star power that would have been and would have been big for him. Now, what do you think that they should do? Do you think that they should rematch him with Mitrione? Do you think they should find another heavyweight for Fedor? I mean, I'm just hoping that they they move it over to Mohegan Sun or something so some of our East Coast fight fans can make the make the trek out there. That'd be great. I think we'd have a hard time getting a getting a uh, on press row for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. But what do you think? Do you think they should stick with Mitrione? I mean, I guess he's he's, the, he's certainly the second biggest name they have in the heavyweight division. Really, wouldn't want to see him up like with the Czech Congo in there. I mean, Congo wins, but it's not a, it's not always pretty. It's kind of a slow grind type of game, and that's sort of what he showed against Ollie Thompson and his decision victory on the weekend. I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Fedor fan, but uh, after that last fight against uh, oh, Fabio Maldonado, yeah, Fabio Maldonado I just don't want to yeah. see him. I just I, I just I just don't want to see him fight anymore. I, that was a that fight bumped, that fight really bummed me out a lot. That was you know. He should have been out of that fight a couple of different times. He was taking oh, yeah, punishment. Like he he's he lost parts of himself in that fucking fight. Yeah. <laughs> there are, yeah, there, it really was. There are, there are months and years of his life that he doesn't remember anymore because of that fight. He he got that was not a good fight. Uh, you know. It was it was pretty uh, anyways, yeah, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't think that, something like that's something like that's not going to happen in Bellator. You know, yeah. I think the referees in Bellator are much better than whoever that Jack yeah. Whistle was that was refing that fight, which was I'm sure was told by the Russian mafia to not stop no matter what, or they would kill him. So I'm sure he didn't yeah. have. A, I'm sure that ref didn't have a choice but to not stop the fight. So. No. Uh, no. Right. Yeah, you want to live your own life. You want your kids to grow up with a father. You want their kids to grow up at all. Uh, yeah. Don't stop the fight. So. Uh, get you Russia. Yeah. But we're only a couple weeks away. We'll get into it more next week. But UFC 209 is approaching, and uh, that should be an exciting co-main event, as well as uh, Alfred Overeem versus Mark Hunt. So there's there's certainly some some things to look forward to. As we get closer to that, um, we got CES coming up on March 31st with some some title fights, and hopefully we'll be there. Yeah, for that. Sukumtoth is defending his title, and uh, I forget the name of the other dude. Uh, yeah, we'll tweet it out. We'll, we'll cover it. I've been trying to keep in touch with uh, some of the of our media counterparts over in Western Mass. Maybe we'll get together and do a little bit of a preview or something. Other things to look forward to. Your your co-judge at the most recent roast battle in Boston, uh, heavyweight fighter Tyler King, is interested in joining us. So it'd be cool to do do something where we sit down in real life and have yeah, a chat. He's actually he's actually he's a he's a witty guy. He's he's yeah. he was witty. He had some funny things to say at the roast battle. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put some clips on there, so I'll see what you do. But Nick, uh, I, I got to get in the car. We're heading home from the Red Sox spring training facility. 
So thanks for uh, calling in and letting me chat a little about the fight game. All right, brother. Have fun down in Florida. Stay warm. Uh, sure thing. Try not to go out right. into the sun too much. I know you'll burst into flames, so. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. <laughs> Take care, brother. Bye. That's the end. No, we got The MMAniacs podcast brought to you by Team Link of Hookset, New Hampshire. They're located at 1338 Hookset Road in Hookset, and their phone number is 603-641-3444. Their website is www.teamlinkhooksetnh.com. I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 20 years, and for the last four years I've been training at Team Link, and it's one of the best schools I've ever trained at. Um, there's a lot of great instructors over there. There's no knuckleheads whatsoever. A lot of people there that are trying to help you get better at whatever it is that you want to study. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, karate, whatever it is that you want to study for martial arts, they've got somebody there to teach you the right way to do it. Uh, so if you go there, you tell them that the MMAniacs podcast sent you. They'll give you a free T-shirt and 30 free days to try out the school. Uh, again, their phone number is 603-641-3444, and their website is teamlinkhooksetnh.com.